Welcome to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast platform based in Western South Dakota. Over the coming episodes, you'll hear from candidates and the issues that affect you in the upcoming 2020 election. Welcome to this episode of Dakota Town Hall from the Home Slice Media Group. It's also brought to you by Elevate Rapid City. Today we are meeting with Michael Calabrese, candidate for District 32 Senate. In the Dakota Town Hall series, each candidate will receive the same questions presented to them in the same order. The candidates have not received these questions in advance. The questions are based on issues from candidate campaigns and from current events. Michael, please introduce yourself. So my name is Michael Calabrese. I am the Democratic State Senate candidate for District 32 here in Rapid City. I'm also a local business owner and uh, an employee of a software company here in Rapid City as well. Okay, cool. Why are you running? I guess the genesis of me getting into the race was uh, that the my opponent was uh, an appointed state senator, uh, appointed by the governor, uh, and at the point I entered the race was going to be running unopposed. Uh, and for me, uh, there's nothing I hate worse than going to the the poll and seeing a, a name with no opponent there. So that was the the big crux of me getting in, and uh, I've always been very politically active and, and engaged. Uh, and I thought now this is the time that it's time for me to use my voice and uh, use my my time to, to serve my community and uh, present a, a, I guess, opposing view that uh, the voters can can choose to, to uh, accept and, and support. Okay. Great. Uh, explain your position on the Second Amendment. So I, I think the Second Amendment is something that's, you know, generally not typically a state issue. Uh, I'm a gun owner myself, so I'm I'm certainly not opposed to gun ownership. Um, also, not opposed to common sense regulations and, and limits around gun ownership um, in situations where the safety of the the general public is is at the heart. Um, yeah, I, I'd say generally. Supportive again. I I spent yesterday uh, pheasant hunting and uh, s- strongly encourage that and love South Dakota for that that aspect. And um, yeah, I think sensible gun laws are are part of the Second Amendment as as we evolve and as uh, weaponry evolves beyond what was intended by the, the framers of the Constitution. I think we need to to keep up in a, a logical manner with that. Oh, you get a bonus question. How did you do? Okay. Uh, not so great. <laughs> Tough hunting. Spent, huh? spent, spent about t- two hours till I saw my first rooster and uh, didn't, didn't quite get a direct hit in there. So <laughs> it just leaves uh, another one out there. I, I got my spots for next weekend. <laughs> okay. Um, has the state taken the correct stance on COVID? What, if anything, would you change? I'm of the opinion that the state has not done enough to prevent the spread of COVID in our community. Uh, I think a patchwork of laws and regulations and, and local ordinances is, is not the best method for dealing with this crisis. Uh, our communities are far too interconnected. You go to you know, stores in Rapid City and you see folks from Belfouche or Box Elder or Hermosa or Hot Springs or Custer. Uh, and when the 
state doesn't take a consistent policy across the board, I think it renders any sort of action on a local level ineffective. Uh, I'm not generally in favor of forced closures or any sort of, um, and I've, I've actually spoken at the Rapid City Council about this, uh, any punitive measures on certain types of businesses. Uh, but I think common sense measures, you know, masking, examples of social distancing set by our, our leadership uh, are, are common sense measures that we can take. I think the lack of these types of measures is why we see such a high spread in the community right now. We see our hospitals filling up. Uh, we see daily counts of, of COVID cases, you know, at, at their highest levels. Um, and I think that's due to a lack of a consistent policy and a lack of uh, a consistent um, demonstration of good sense by our our state government and, and our leaders here in South Dakota. Okay. Okay, we have three ballot measures on the ballot. Initiated Measure 26, which is for legalized marijuana for medical use. Constitutional Amendment A, which is for legalizing marijuana for recreational use. And Constitutional Amendment B, which legalized sports betting in Deadwood in on reservation tribal casinos. What is your position on these ballot measures? Well, I'll... Uh keep it simple to start, I guess. Uh, I, I've, I've already voted myself and uh, have spoken out in favor of, of all these measures. Uh, so I'm a yes, yes, and yes on those. Um, I believe with Initiated Measure 26, uh, medical marijuana is a, a great start. However, our legislature has shown themselves willing to overturn the will of the people, uh, especially, I believe it was IM22 on the of uh, corruption and, and for, of public officials. Uh, you know, the will of the people was very, very much in favor of that, uh, and they took, the, took it upon themselves the following session to overturn the will of the people. Uh, and that's why I support Amendment A, because unfortunately uh, that's the only way to solidify that medical marijuana, hemp, uh, and as well as recreational marijuana are available to those who need it in this community. Uh, I spent many years in Colorado uh, prior to moving to South Dakota. I've seen a, a legal system that funds their schools uh, without raising property taxes uh, that al adult, excuse me, allows adults to make choices um, as they do with any other um, substance, I guess, uh, you know, to, to make those choices. I, I think we can look to other states and see that the, the sky doesn't fall when marijuana is legalized. Uh, we have some of the harshest drug laws here in South Dakota. Uh, they, they reflect more, uh, you know, somewhere like North Korea than they do the rest of the United States. And I think it's time that South Dakota takes a step forward. Um, the, the common statistic now is that in 2018, 10% of all arrests in South Dakota were for marijuana. It's just a waste of police resources. It damages lives. It ruins communities. Um, and, and it's time to take that step forward and, and legalize marijuana so that adults can access it and do so in a, a capacity that isn't detrimental to the community and doesn't support a, a black market, essentially. Um, sports gambling, I, you know, 
we have gambling here. We have, if you look around Rapid City, there's uh, video lottery casinos all over the place. It's just a, a different form of gambling that th- there's really no sense in not capitalizing because if we don't, as with marijuana, if we don't legalize it here in our state, uh, people just go elsewhere. Uh, you know, with marijuana, it's it's to the black market or uh, supporting tax revenue in other states. With sports betting, it's gambling online or you know those those cheap flights to Vegas to place a few bets. And uh, there really just is no no logic to to uh, to preventing people from doing something again that is is fully legal in, in other municipalities other other places in the u.s and it's uh just detrimental to our revenue it's you know another another source for for deadwood gambling rates and reason for people across the state and from other states to to come spend time and money here in south dakota yeah right oh this ties in a little bit to what you're saying there um According to a 2019 report published in U.S. News and World Report, South Dakota ranked well at 10th in the nation for higher education, but ranked 23rd for K-12 through education. What can the South Dakota legislature do to improve the K-12 through education in the state? Uh, so as you mentioned there, there are great higher education universities here. Um, you know, just on the other side of the the district, but fully intertwined with the District 32 where I'm running is the School of Mines and Technology. There's a huge, huge boon for our community if we can create jobs for those individuals here. Um, you know, I also have a, a number of folks uh, that, that I know that are t- public school teachers, and their level of compensation is, is not great, um, especially in comparison to other states. These are great, caring teachers that that honestly deal with a lot and now in the the era of COVID-19 you know are dealing with much much more and asked to to take on quite a challenge Um, and I think it's time to look and see if they're they're fairly compensated when compared to their peers in other states Um, what the legislature can do is is honestly there's a a huge pot of money sitting there no pun intended with the, the pot of money but you know, with legalizing marijuana, the, the projections, I think, say somewhere along the lines of $250 million over the next decade. Um, what that can do for our schools, again, with keeping property taxes low for for folks that live in the local community is, is huge. Um, again, improving facilities, raising teacher wages, um, increasing our contribution to pre-K, um, you know, too often folks in our community um, start off you know, on the wrong foot or start off behind others in the community. Um, and I think a fully funded pre-K option um, is something that can can truly help, you know, improve outcomes within the community. Um, so I think those are some things that the legislature should look at and and really consider. Um, and I think that, again, would, would improve our ranking from 23rd to closer to where our higher education rates in the top 10 makes South Dakota a far better place to live as well for everyone, whether you have children or not. It's it's great to have young, bright minds in our community, and that's the really the backbone of a, a growing, thriving local economy. Okay, great. In that same report, the economy of South Dakota was ranked 27th. 
What can the South Dakota legislature do to improve the economy in the state? I, I think I, I you know, touched on it briefly there, but um, we, we have fantastic universities here. Um, but all too often, the economic climate is such that, uh, and, and I know this again on an on a, not a individual level, but um, personally through, through friends that have left South Dakota, um, for opportunities elsewhere because there are better paying jobs. There are um, more industries to, to access. Um, and so I think the legislature can, can certainly encourage and incentivize, um, you know, through grants, through tax benefits for um, certain types of businesses. Uh, again, I work for a, a software company here in Rapid City, a, a tech startup that is here in the community um, because the the founders wanted to have it here in the community, uh, but that's not every company. You sometimes have to incentivize people to be here. Um, our office is directly across the street from the Ascent Innovation tech, um, Building, so I mean that's a a tech startup incubator that um, it, you know, with the goal being to to keep some of those great minds from the South the school South Dakota School of Mines here in Rapid City. Um, I think any sort of economic incentives we can put on uh, folks to, to continue creating jobs here is, is money well spent. Um, you know, those are the, the types of things the legislature can encourage um, to, to really stop the brain drain and, and continue to build the local economy. Um, you know, again, I'm a, a small business owner here, so um, certain tax incentives that, that, could benefit businesses, not to benefit myself, but to benefit others that I know that are, are here, they're locally owned, they are locally operated, they keep better paying jobs here in the community. Uh, the the uh, trickle up of the, the ownership interests are here in South Dakota, and that's where they spend their money, and that's where they invest and continue to, to build businesses here. I think those sort of situations can be encouraged over, um, you know, foreign companies coming and, and siphoning money to, to other countries or out-of-state companies, you know, it's, it's great. But um, the more we can build South Dakota businesses, the, the better off everyone is. Great. There never seems to be enough money for everything people would like the state to do. What changes to the state budget would you like to see? So I would say that, um, you know, again, it ties back to previous answers, but uh, really channeling money to education, I think that is is drastically underfunded right now at the state level, and economic incentives for for South Dakota businesses to thrive. Um, it, it has to go beyond just the 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 federal money that, that we had for grants and, and, you know, all these sort of, I guess, uh, situations because of COVID-19, it needs to go beyond that. It needs to be something permanent to incentivize people to, to build and live here. Um, yeah, honestly, that, that is the biggest thing, investment in our, our local economies, um, bringing businesses here because that is the, the greatest way to build revenues in the state. Uh, to build tax revenues is to really focus on businesses 
building here, business is moving here. Um, that that is, you know, probably the the one, m- maybe the only area of agreement of myself and, and Governor Nome at this point um, through this whole crisis is is that we should be encouraging businesses to be here because it's a great place to build a business. Uh, it's a great place for for people to live, um, and and shouting that message, you know, at the top of our lungs is is a fantastic way to to build the type of economy we want here. Um, and so again, budgetary incentives for that is is a huge thing, and I think that's a, a focus of what I you know I like to do in Pier. Uh, explain your position on Medicaid expansion. Well, I think the last time I checked, 39 states have taken advantage of the Medicaid expansion, 38, 39, um, or, or at some point in the process of taking advantage of it. Uh, I think it's an absolute must for the state of South Dakota. Um, I myself have, have you know, struggled to, you know, in the past – since I've lived in South Dakota, pay for health care. Um, people at or below the poverty line, medical care uh, is just unattainable. Um, with the Medicaid expansion, outcomes are improved. There, There is uh, a betterment of the community for that. Um, again, it's outcomes for everyone because if somebody doesn't seek medical care, because they can't afford it, it turns into an emergency situation. It turns into uh, something that that becomes a, you know, uh, what is it? The the ounce of pre- prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, you know, that's that's the ounce of prevention right there. Um, it's ninety percent federal by the funded by the federal government. Your taxes are already paying for the Medicaid expansion. They're just paying for it in, you know, Mississippi or Nebraska or Kansas or you know any of the other states that have taken advantage of it, uh, those dollars are already going there. So it's it's a very minimal investment for a, a huge gain. Uh, so I fully support the Medicaid expansion and, and think it's something that the, the legislature should really seriously consider um, whether I'm there or not. And, uh, you know, it's something I'll, I'll advocate for. And, and, you know, if I'm in peer, it's something I'll, I'll sponsor because I think it's that important to our community. Great. What specific issues do you want to solve for the people in your district? So I would say that, uh, again, uh, the district is, is pretty interesting. Um, it, it covers a lot of territory. Um, none of it more important than the other, but the fact that the bulk of the central business district is there, um, it's it's an area that I traverse nearly every day. Um, you know, there there are a number of empty storefronts in downtown Rapid City. As as much as we're growing, um, there's there's still a lack of growth um, within the downtown area. Um, and again, this is something I've I've mentioned before in this interview that uh, incentivizing businesses to build here and to to locate here, uh, incentivizing people who are, are in our community and, and are pillars of our community to, to start a business, to take that chance and fill some of that vacant space and make it a more livable place. Um, anyone who, uh, you know, and th- this may be pre-pandemic, but, you know, even, even still this point, but anyone who went down 
downtown Rapid City on a Friday or Saturday, um, it's a very lively place, and it can can be even more lively. It can be um, uh, a thriving core to to the district um, that I, I think pushing economic incentives to to Rapid City, um, you know, while maybe not fully a state statewide um, need or um, I, I think funding main streets across South Dakota is something that we should take a serious look at um, because again district 32 that that is the economic heart um, as well as the Mount Rushmore Road corridor um, there there's there's room to grow there and there's room to to bring in businesses that are going to create great jobs um, and so that's something that would be a, a huge focus for me Great. So the next one, the next question is related uh, pretty tight to that one. What specific issues would you like to solve for the people in the state? So, I mean, that I guess there's there's a lot of issues I'd like to solve. Again, the access to, to good world-class health care, um, regardless of, of economic situation, um, that's, that's a huge one. Um, the you know reform of our criminal justice system to to um, be far less punitive and more uh, rehabilitative uh, you know far too much or far too often we look at penalties as punishment um, especially in the case of nonviolent um, criminals. Again, 10% being arrested for marijuana possession, which you go to many surrounding states and you won't even get a ticket for that. Um, methamphetamine is a huge problem in the state of South Dakota. Uh, but are prisons and jails the best place to, to solve the addiction problem? Um, I would argue that, that access to treatment and um, alternative sentencing is a is a huge thing and something that needs to be looked at seriously because the outcomes aren't there to support punishment and imprisonment because far too often the economic opportunity leaving prison it, it's a vicious cycle the recidivism rate it, you know it, it, it there, there's no opportunity so the addictions come back and it's it's a vicious cycle and it destroys families and it destroys communities um, so I think taking a long, hard look at at how we punish crimes and um, how the the impact on communities is is something we need to look seriously into and would be a priority for me. Great. <clears throat> the number of homeless people in Rapid City has grown over the years. Some feel this is tied to mental health. What can the state do to help the mental health? Of our citizens in need. One thing that um, my understanding is that the the access to mental health care, especially West River, um, is is sorely lacking. Um, I believe I it was maybe two years ago, two three years ago, the the inpatient, you know, the last inpatient facility here. Uh, closed so the the only option for somebody who's having a mental health crisis uh, oftentimes is to be locked in a cell um, if if somebody can't physically be on their own 
um, that's that's the alternative is to to lock somebody up. Um, that seems to be the solution a lot of times for uh, those you know the the unhomed people in our community is um, you know whether it's because of addiction or mental health um, that that rather than treating them with dignity and trying to get to the root of the problem, um, it's to, to lock them up and to, to, you know, until they're sober or, you know, maybe it's a detox, maybe it's a, a night in, in prison or excuse me, in jail, um, and then let them go. And, and that's not solving the problem. Um, there is a homeless crisis here in Rapid City. There, there, you know, there's a homeless crisis in many places in the country I've seen, firsthand many, many places, uh, you know, I travel a good bit for my job. So um, I've had the opportunity to see it in other communities and, um, rapid city is, is not unique. Um, but it's by no means the, the, uh, I guess the worst, um, situation, um, when, when looking at this, it's something that we can get ahead of still at this point, because, um, you know the the population of homeless folks in the community is is manageable to this point. Um, a lot of the struggles of of getting people off the street is uh, you know m- most of the uh, options here in Rapid City require you to be sober, and um, for some people that's that's a challenge and that's a a hill that's too much to overcome um, to to just get inside on a freezing cold night. Um, it's it's terrible. It's a shame, but. Um, that is the reality we deal with, and um, we need to treat those people with respect, um, and we need to find solutions that that actually help. Um, you know, I'm I'm not one who thinks that that um, you know allowing tents throughout the community and through our parks, and um, you know, putting people in in danger by having them live by the creek is is an option. Um, you know, I've been to cities like Portland where you know, the, the, the downtown core, um, to, to some extent is, is unlivable for, for those looking to, to enjoy that and, and enjoy the, the businesses in that community. Um, it's, it's gotten to a point where it's just overwhelmed any ability to, to operate as a community. And we, we haven't gotten there yet, but I think focusing on, helping people with their addictions, um, focusing on treating them with dignity and making sure that somebody dying of exposure isn't inevitable, um, is, is something we need to focus on because, um, the, the problem, you know, that the challenge, not a problem, the challenge as I see it is, is not getting better at this point. Um, and, and we need to turn a corner on that. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's going to create poor outcomes. We're going to see people dying every week um, because of exposure, because of lack of, of shelter. Um, and so there, there are many hoping to do good in this community and, and trying to tackle that problem. Um, you know, there, there are people looking out for those without a home. Um, and I think that the city needs to work together and with those advocates, with those, um, who are, are trying to solve the problem. Um, and on a statewide level, I think funding some of these things is, is very important because it may not be a problem for those in, you know, Brookings or, you know, 
certain other communities, Pierre, maybe there's not a, a huge homeless problem and it's not, not as evident to, to those in Nisland or Newell. Um, but it, it is a problem for all of us here. Um, and it's the, the, the response needs to be adequate and needs to be, um, you know, truly take into account all parties and make sure that um, we can can work together to fix this problem. There you go. So we're into their last question. Would you like to make a closing statement? Um, yes, I'd love to make a closing statement. Um, I appreciate you having me here. Uh, it's it's always fun to to field these questions, and and this one was nice, especially because I didn't know it was coming. Um, so keeps me on my toes, but, uh, really the, the reason I'm running is because, uh, I think it's time for a new voice here, uh, in district 32. Um, I'm, I'm not the most experienced candidate, the most experienced public speaker. Uh, I'm, I, I would gladly have voted for someone far more qualified, but, uh, it was the time for me to step up. Um, I'm a business owner. I understand that uh, that that end of things, that challenge. I I can look at things from that perspective. Uh, I again, I'm employed by a, a fantastic company that wants to be here in Rapid City and is building a great uh, great company and a great uh, sector here. They're part of something big that can really benefit. Rapid City in the long run and bring the type of jobs here that we need, uh, the jobs of the future. Um, I spend most of my time here in District 32. I love the parks and the um, the everything the community has to offer. Uh, I will be a tireless advocate for the entire community. Um, I, I'm not here because I think I know all the answers or because I... Um, have some some uh, egotistical view of myself as an individual. I'm here because I want to listen and I want to learn from those in the community. I want to understand uh, and be an advocate for them. Uh, I want to truly represent the community because I think I'm uh, a, a good snapshot of what somebody in District 32 looks like. Um, I've got a diverse perspective on on issues and uh, my viewpoints have been built over you know my 35 years of of traveling and living many places in the United States and I've come to this community because I think living in South Dakota and living in Rapid City in the Black Hills uh, is is one of the most special things and this is where I've chosen to to build my business and I'm, I'm not here unwillingly I'm here because I want to make things happen in Rapid City. Um, my wife and I obviously um, came to visit Rapid City prior to moving here, and um, we were, we were. I don't want to say we got sold by the the marketing campaign, but you know, you see do big things everywhere, um, and that's something I think we've carried into our personal lives, our business here. Um, it's something I see happening every day at, at my employer. Uh, and it's something that I want to do for the, the folks in District 32 is to do big things um, and do big things for South Dakota because I know we're, uh, you know, 
we're capable of more and it's time for a new voice and i think that's that's who i am and that's who i aim to be when i go to pier in uh in january okay well thanks for coming down yeah thank you